Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Hey, Ian, you know what's cool? What is cool, Adam? Fourth quarter touchdowns. Fourth quarter touchdowns are cool. Uh, and to be honest, I had forgotten what it felt like to to see my team score a fourth quarter touchdown. And did we get one today? No. No, we got two in the Broncos' victory over the Detroit Lions, and that felt pretty good. You know what else is cool? What's cool, Ian? The Broncos have a quarterback of the future. Ooh. I like that. I, th- I think you're right. I'm. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reserve judgment just a little bit. I think they have their quarterback of 2020 for sure. I don't think there's any need to draft a quarterback. I think their quarterback room is set with uh, with Brandon Allen as the backup and Drew Locke as your starter, and that that is very cool. I I am not I am not reserving anymore. The Broncos have their quarterback of the future. I I, I think. When you open your your first four games of your career three and one, and you're able to show it as Drew Locke has over these four games, and he's able to put what we called not 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 a bad performance. It was bad, but it wasn't that 
bad against the Chiefs, especially considering everything that was involved in that, not just the elements, but the fact that the Broncos are still significantly far behind the Chiefs in terms of talent and where the roster is set up at this point. But to, re- to, to rebound the way that he did and come out on Sunday against the Lions and play like he did, and not only that, the first quarter was a struggle for the Broncos because on the first three possessions of the game, they went three and out and punted on all three drives. And then after that, the Broncos' offense went touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. As you mentioned, those final two touchdowns were in the fourth quarter. So I have I have no qualms whatsoever about not only saying that Drew Locke is the quarterback of the future for 2020, he is the quarterback of the future. That's, I, I mean, I love the way that you look at it. I think it's great. I do have to take a little bit of credit for the play calling getting better because uh, after those first uh, couple of three and outs, I think I sent you a message that said, is the play calling, it was a question, is the play calling crap? And your response was, I think it's fine. But your response was like a, a half a quarter later when the, when things had started to pick up for the Broncos in the second quarter. So I think that they just saw the message that I sent to you during the game and they changed things up. So I'm going to take a little credit for the imp- improved play calling that that uh, sort of occurred in the second quarter. I think that's, that's on me. I, I, and you're welcome, Broncos country. I'm glad I could do that for you. I think the stats that really lay bare to to all of what we're saying you for 2020 me for 2020 and beyond to bring in the buzz lightyear reference without drew lock and this is from nikki jabavla with the athletic without drew lock this year the broncos have a a record of three and eight 15.9 points per game 27.7 percent on third downs 81.5 passer rating 2.6 touchdown percentage with Drew Locke, the Broncos are 3-1, and 22.8 points per game, 44.9% on third downs, 89.6 passer rating, and 4.7 touchdown percentage. And I think the things that stand out about this, and we've said it on prior podcasts, is where Drew Locke is doing this on third down and scoring points. The Broncos are converting third downs better than they did with a veteran in Joe Flacco and with a somewhat veteran in Brandon Allen, veteran to this offense and this kind of offensive scheme. And they're scoring more points. And I think, as I said in my winners and losers after the game, I said it for both Drew Locke, I said it for Rich Scangarello. And Rich Scangarello was a winner because while the, the players executed the offense, he put forth the game plan and called the game for them to execute. I think what's so exciting about this is that this gives Drew Locke confidence, it gives the offense confidence, but it gives Vic Fangio and Rich Scangarello confidence in Drew Locke because now they're able to they're able to come together and see what's capable, and now they're going to have a full off season to come together and work together and build and get even better and see what works, see what they can add, work on what they haven't done well. And then it wasn't all pretty on Sunday against the Lions, especially in the red zone and on third down. It wasn't as good as it's been with Drew Locke, but it was still better than it has been. So there's still areas to improve. But 
I, I'm just glad that there's excitement and there's hope again. Yeah, no, you make a great point. And, and you started to sort of hit on one of the things I was going to mention here uh, towards the end there. Drew Locke's numbers are not um, incredible numbers in this game against the Lions. I think, I mean, it's I'm looking at the numbers here, 25 of 33, which is okay. 192 yards, not great. One touchdown, meh, but also no interceptions. And, and I think that the point that you're making here is, is a really valid point. It's room for, for improvement. And he looks like a, a player with raw talent that can improve. He can be molded. He can, uh, he can start to take some of those things that, were, that are limiting to him and, and eliminate some of those mistakes and, and sort of fix some of those tendencies that he has. Like, for example, I think he has a tendency to, uh, instead of stepping up in the pocket, retreating in the pocket and retreating out of the pocket and then throwing off his back foot, right? It's, it's sort of a, the tendency of a guy with a, with a strong arm and, he's, and, and a young quarterback, right? The, a young quarterback is going to shy away from the contact and is going to rely on his arm talent, of which he has a lot, but that's going to cause uh, things like misthrows and underthrows and and problems with with just uh, loss of yards on on sacks that he shouldn't be taking. That being said, that is something that can be coached out of him, and something that experience will eventually move him uh, to a place where he doesn't do those kinds of things. And so, and so I you know even in watching the game against the Lions, I, I didn't see it and think to myself. Well, this is awful, and it will never get any better. And and I will say, I remember during the Trevor Simeon era, we talked about Trevor Simeon always retreating, always retreating, always retreating, and it never changed. It never changed with Trevor Simeon under center, and he had uh, uh, several opportunities to become better at that, and he never did. And so if you look at what Drew Locke does, and, and this was a really good example of it, he, it wasn't like he had – clean pockets all day to throw from. I mean, there for a time there towards the, you know, middle and end of the game, things got better. But at the beginning of the game, the the pocket was not clean. And he did sort of fall into that trap of retreat and and launch from your back foot, which is not something that's going to make you successful in the NFL. That being said, he's the type of quarterback and and I think that what bears out here is the way that he played from the second quarter on, and then especially into the fourth quarter, he's the type of quarterback that will take those moments or take those those problems, and he will uh, improve on them in game. And he can improvise a little bit and extend plays to the point where he's a successful quarterback when other quarterbacks would, would find themselves on the ground because they didn't have that ability. And that's something that I think Broncos country has been yearning for is a quarterback that could do those kinds of things, that can extend plays, that can uh, make things happen when stuff breaks down. And that is that is something to be excited about. And, and like you said, this is a game that is an indicator of how he can improve and how he can continue to get better into 2020 and like you said perhaps even beyond i think what really stands out is there's really only a couple of instances where you can say he did more than he needed to do there was the the throw that he stared down the receiver against the texans on his lone interception in houston there is the interception that he had throwing across his body to Noah fan in the end zone which i think was a product of a gunslinger trying to make a play in a game that they were trailing by 20 points. 
And as Rich Scangarello said, there's no such thing as a 20-point touchdown. That's true. So the thing that I liked about Sunday's game is he took what the defense gave him. He didn't force things. He didn't he didn't he he didn't do more than he needed to do. And I think the other big thing is there wasn't wasn't only there wasn't just no turnovers. He wasn't sacked the entire game. That's a product of the offensive line who was on its like second and third backups in some positions. It was Dalton Reisner. Dalton Reisner didn't even play the second half because of the flu that he had over the course of the week leading up to the game. So there's, while it, I, I, I was impressed with the statistics based on the completion percentage, but also the fact that he, he gave what the offense gave him. And I think his stats may get a little bit better in terms of yardage if Devontae Booker doesn't inexplicably drop that pass that was dropped right into his bread basket. That was a beautiful throw. It was a great throw. That was touch. a beautiful throw. Nice touch. And we've seen we've seen the touch over the course of these first four games, but we've also seen his rocket. He, uh, There is some absolute cannons coming out of out of drew Locke's arm and that it's just it really is exciting to to think about what he's going to be able to do with a full off season with ritz gangarello and then building on what he's already building with the receivers in terms of Cortland sutton but also deshaun hamilton and even tim patrick toward the end of the game which is going to be big heading into the offseason too, on top of Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay running as well as he did. There's there's a lot of positives for this game heading into the final game of the 2019 season against Oakland and then in into the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I think we should maybe highlight a, a little bit uh, of what other guys in. You mentioned the guy who I wanted to talk about. But there were two points I wanted to make, actually, and, and one of them was uh, the idea that uh, Cortland Sutton, I think, has become uh, Drew Locke's number one target when it comes to uh, his wide receivers, which is absolutely what he should be. But in this game today, I thought it was a really mature thing to watch him uh, not try and force things into Cortland Sutton. Darius Slay was all over him the entire game. It limited what Cortland Sutton could do on the field. And uh, you know, you don't like to see a cornerback essentially shut down your number one wide receiver but that's what Darius Slay does, and you kind of got to give him credit for that. And then at the same time, look at the way that Drew Locke sort of took that and said, okay, he's not my target today because I'm not going to challenge Darius Slay more than I have to. And he was able to make those connections with Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton and Noah Fant. And I, I thought that was really great. And then the other part that you started to talk about that I think was important was Philip Lindsay's continued role as – just the out-and-out number one weapon on the Broncos' offense. He is uh, clearly the the go-to player, which is which is phenomenal. He was my game ball, like you know we do game balls, and, and I picked Philip Lindsay. And and again, you know, nineteen rushes for one hundred nine yards and a touchdown, uh, and he added in a couple of a couple of catches for nine yards. He averaged five, over five yards every time he touched the football. This is a guy who uh, you can rely on every single down to get things done. And it showed in this game as well. And especially in this game uh, in, in ways that, you know, when the, when the offense was slow, when the offense was struggling, he was there to kind of pick up the slack. And, and that to me is something that you have to have. And we've talked about the one, two tandem of, 
uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the past. And I think what we're really seeing as we move forward is that this is Philip Lindsay's backfield. Philip Lindsay is the running back that is is the number one running back, and Royce Freeman has become his complement, which I don't, I don't think many people expected. You know that first year, I thought they thought it would be the other way, or they would be more of a one-two punch. Philip Lindsay is is just obviously the guy, and watching him run, and and the reason I bring it up, watching him run today, it was like watching surgical precision. Philip Lindsay has incredible vision, and watching him sort of slowly dance behind an offensive line until he finds a crease and then exploits it is is one of the most beautiful things you can watch in football and we've marveled at it since his rookie year since last season and watching this game against the Lions he had a few runs that you could tell the 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 place he was supposed to go was different than where he ended up going just because his eyes told him there was a better spot and and watching him do that and then explode through a hole the touchdown run for example he he waited, he found his opening, and he was gone. That, that to me is something that if that's around for the next three or four seasons, that's going to be a really nice thing to have. And, and, and I think there's a, such a good young core in, in Denver that we're going to see some really, really good things from this offense moving forward. What was also nice to see is it's it really did seem like once Drew Locke figured out that Portland Sutton wasn't going to be – his number one target. He started to go after Deshaun Hamilton, but then it was like, all right, now that I've gotten Deshaun Hamilton involved, I'm going to get Tim Patrick involved too. So it was nice to see Drew Locke starting to work through his progressions. And we didn't even see anything from Noah Fant minus a very good block early on one of those touchdown drives, or I think it was a touchdown or field goal drive. Either way, it was a great block by Noah Fant. And this is something that really stands out to me. Troy Rink asked Tim Patrick about Drew Locke after the game. And Tim Patrick said, Drew Locke's swagger is contagious. The way he carries himself, it's hard not to have fun out there. That's a guy you want to follow. That's four games into a rookie quarterback's career. And there's already buy-in from the guys on offense, but also on defense. And I think you're seeing buy-in from Vic Fangio and the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what I think is really helpful with that? And and this is maybe something that uh, that you, you really can sort of grab onto here. The offensive buy-in is coming from guys who you know are going to be a big part of the offense, but are uh, fairly young as far as, as NFL players go. I think Tim Patrick is in what year? Is it year four? Or, or I mean, he's a little bit older when it, when we talk about this young core of players, but Cortland Sutton seems to love Drew Locke. Dejon Hamilton seems to love Drew Locke. Noah Fant seems to love Drew Locke. What do they all have in common? They're in their first or second year in the NFL, and they're going to get a chance to grow together. This was a this was a game where they grew together. This was a game where they they were able to sort of figure things out because they had a bit of a challenge. That challenge was the loss of Cortland Sutton, not physically, but just that he was sort of eliminated from the game plan by uh, an elite an elite secondary player in, in Darius Slay. And being able to say, okay, that's a risky play over there. I can trust Deshaun Hamilton. I can trust Tim Patrick. I can trust Noah Fant. I can trust these other guys to make plays for me. That's a mature move on Drew Locke's part. And that these guys are are buying in and stepping up 
and giving him the targets that he needs and, and making the plays that this offense needs to be successful, I mean, to me, that's something that you really you really can sort of look at that and say, okay, the, the, the arrow continues to point up. And the biggest fear I think most fans should have had, and maybe they didn't, uh, was a letdown after a bad game against Kansas City. And we talked about it after the Kansas City game, and we, we both sort of said – the Kansas City game in the snow was disappointing, but it wasn't that bad. But it was still a pretty crushing loss. And if if they if they had taken that too much to heart, or if they had if they had been more immature about it, then they probably would have looked at that and said, "Well, our season is over anyway, so what's the difference?" And they didn't do that. They came out against the Detroit Lions, and they took it as an opportunity to continue to grow and get better. That to me is 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 a huge moment, and it says a lot about. The, the maturity of this team and that the, the when we say the arrow is pointing in the right direction, we mean it and it doesn't change just because of a hiccup. I also think that's a testament to Vic Fangio and his coaching staff because they were able to keep them focused. And I think you're also seeing Vic Fangio starting to come into his own as a head coach. He's starting to get it figured out. And the players, as we've talked about throughout the course of the season, are really buying in. The other thing to get excited about from all this is on the defensive side of the ball and the way Draymond Jones played. Depending on whatever statistics site that you go to, it's either two or two and a half sacks. If they're able to get that kind of consistent pass rush from the interior defensive line, when you get Bradley Chubb back to pair with Von Miller, it's going to make this defense that much tougher to block and to prepare for. It gives another element for Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, and that's before any of the moves that John Elway makes over the course of the offseason to, to to get players that Vic Fangio wants, that who fit his system, an interior pass rush, either in, in free agency or the draft, depending on who's available come early March. But also the guys coming back from injury. There's the, the the way the defense has played this year cannot be understated, especially in the red zone. To keep people out of the end, to, to keep people out of the end zone, to keep defense, to keep offenses from scoring touchdowns and limiting them to field goals. The way that they've performed on third down in the red zone, on top of all of the injuries that they have sustained in the secondary, Bradley Chubb, defensive line, all of it you can get excited about this defense and what it's going to look like. And now, oh yes, there is still the quarterback of the future to pair on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and mind you, they only, the defense only gave up one touchdown today uh, against the lions. The defense uh, only allowed the one it was, there was a return touchdown that was the other four, you know, that, that got, got them to, to 17 points. If you want to do the math there along with that field goal. So, uh, you're right. The defense is is the defense has been sort of the point that has that has kept the Broncos in games for the last oh I don't know five years and, and now what you're what you're hopefully going to see moving forward is that offense is going to start to complement that even more and it is a good thing to see Draymond Jones play well. It is a good thing to see Shelby Harris continue to do well. Uh, they said something during the broadcast. He leads the league. Uh, in passes defense by defensive linemen. That, that's another Maybe huge seven, uh, which is awesome, which is a huge thing to have. Von Miller continues to uh, be disruptive in ways that 
was he getting sacks? No, but was he forcing the quarterback off his spot? Yeah, he was. Was he was he a big part of getting pressure up the uh, you know on the quarterback? Yes. Did the Broncos play a team that was very good? No. And I think that's something where maybe what we do is we we step back just a little bit and we go, okay, they didn't do it against a team that's very good, but they did it against the team that was across from them. And that's all you really can ask of them. And I know that there's going to be people out there that say, oh, the Lions are a terrible team. They're three and eleven. They're 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 three and eleven and one. I guess I should say they're going nowhere. Uh, they are play on their on their second string quarterback. They're, they're missing guys left and right. Third string quarterback. Third, that's right. I was going to say. I'm sorry. Third string quarterback. Excuse me. So yeah, are there some excuses for the Lions being as bad as they are, and and maybe that tempers some of our feelings about what the Broncos are a little. I think that it's fair to say that that's that's probably something that you have to to scale back a little bit in your understanding of where this team is but still looking at what they've done ever since drew lock started to start and you you read the tweet uh from from nikki right off the top this idea that that you know three and eight without drew lock as the starter three and one with drew lock as the starter that right there wins and losses says pretty much all you need it to say and then you can go through all those other stats from that tweet and, and you can just see that the improvement is there and it stems from like you said, having the quarterback of the future. I think one of the the other elements to not to to bring it down, but special teams has got to be something that's addressed in the offseason because you mentioned that the punt return coverage has been pretty much horrible all year. There is a bright spot in Deontay Spencer. I think they have their kickoff returner, so there is that sure. because that helps that that helps that helps flip field position, but. I, I think special teams has got to be something that's addressed. And whether if that means Tom McMahon as the special teams coordinator doesn't return, if they find a new punter. If. Oh, win. 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 We both think that they need to. Those are two of the things that need to be addressed. But I think as you, as you said, as we've said, it all starts with the Drew train, and it got back on track, and that's what allows Broncos country to, to feel excitement again, but also to feel hope. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos! Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.